Welcome to Mocast by Mo Engage. In this special series of podcasts, we will be talking to marketing leaders and industry experts about the unusual holiday season 2020. We'll also be discussing trends across several verticals and provide key actionable insights and strategies you can implement while framing your holiday marketing campaigns. Welcome back to yet another exciting holiday marketing episode of Mocast. I'm your host Rashi Chaudhary and today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, Mr. Jamie Gagliardi. Jamie is currently heading marketing at Jimmy Brings and comes with close to a decade of experience in CRM, growth marketing, advertising, and branding, having served as digital marketer and CRM manager at Toys R Us Australia previously. Welcome, Jamie. How have you been? I've been well, thanks. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It's 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 a pleasure having you on board, Jamie. Because like we have worked previously on a couple of assets. I think uh, we have worked on a customer engagement during Crisis Playbook, which we'll talk about in a while. Uh, but before that, Jamie, here at uh, Mocast, uh, we 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 do a fun little activity where we ask a couple of fun questions to our guests to get to know them better. Um, so tell me, do you have um, any any new hobbies that you have picked up during the quarantine, which you have continued uh, or are still continuing? I actually have, yeah. So um, I guess one of my main ones is, especially when lockdown is over, a way to socialize but remain socially distant um, and get active was playing squash with friends, which um, was quite new to me. So uh, once a week, around four or five of uh, my friends actually meet up and we play squash, which. Um, as you might know, it's a socially distant sport for the most part, um, and yeah, I've been doing that for the past, say, fifteen or sixteen weeks now. That's great. Like that's that's pretty unusual, actually, because most people I speak to generally go for tennis or badminton. But yeah, squash, squash. I think it's it's much more intensive and much more intense sort of a game. So you get a really good workout as well out of it. um yeah that that's that's great actually have you been doing some reading or because most of the people that i speak to or most of the guests on this show um are mostly into reading or cooking um as a as a hobby which they have picked up or kind of rekindled during the during the quarantine now that most people were working from home yeah i actually yeah i am um, i i was reading uh, more fiction but i've actually just started doing my mba um at uh your uh, local uni UNSW um so there's a lot of reading there which is more theoretical and it's all re- related to uh my role um uh, but yeah that i guess that's another hobby that i've picked up which is quite intensive so juggling that with full time work has been challenging but it's been um i guess a way to keep me busy as well awesome awesome makes sense uh so uh jamie and i worked previously on uh, one of our assets which i mentioned a while back it was uh, regarding customer engagement frameworks to grow during a pandemic um um although i know jamie previously but i'm sure our listeners would love to hear about you a little uh, the kind of role that you um, are currently you know um currently performing at jimmy brings and any interesting use cases you would like to share and maybe talk about jimmy brings a little because it's it's kind of a very fascinating thing that you guys are doing um and yeah i'm sure our listeners would love to hear about it yeah sure so um i guess i'll start with what jimmy brings is uh, so for those who don't know jimmy brings is an on demand alcohol delivery service um and it's australia's largest and first so uh the business has been around for approximately 8 years 
um, and has just grown over time. And recently in the past year, we've actually expanded from just being in one city to national. Um, so I've been in the business for around two and a half years now. Previously to that, I was at Toys R Us, um, which is where majority of my career started and kind of kept at there. Um, so I started back in Toys R Us um, way back when, when I was a, um, a student actually at university. So I've moved from store land, um, just being a sales associate, uh, moved into customer service for a little bit. I did a little bit of inventory planning as well. So supply chain and replenishment to make sure stores had the stock they needed for specific promotional activity. Um, which I did for two years. And then following that, once I graduated from my uni degree, I moved into a marketing role there, which was predominantly um, helping them transition from being an offline catalog focused retailer into a digital marketing role and a digital uh, first business. Um, we had an e-commerce site at the time, which was gaining a lot more focus. Um, so I spent the next two to three years um, in that uh, kind of that uh, that world of marketing uh, before I moved over to Jimmy Brings as a digital marketing manager. Uh, so at the time when I first started Jimmy Brings, there was approximately, I'd say six or seven of us in the entire business, excluding our driver network. Um, and at the moment we're sitting at around 27 staff members um, with six in the marketing team. Um, my remit is uh, head of marketing. So I, looked after, I look after all the marketing channels um, at this stage. So. Uh, the main focus is obviously to uh, continue to grow the, the brand, um, increase brand awareness, um, and obviously encourage repeat trial of our service. Um, being a new category, it's a little bit challenging because there's no one to look to. It's very, um, it's very new in not just Australia, but uh, the rest of the world on demand alcohol. So um, being one of the leaders, it's really hard to kind of copy uh, other or get references or get inspired by other brands that are doing the same. So um, it, it, it's, it, it's challenging, but it, it's flattering because when we do a good job, we see other retailers following suit as well. So it's good to be at the forefront and the leading pack and being innovative in, in this space. Right. Um, I think, um, like you mentioned, you know, uh, this this space um, um, as, a, as a vertical in terms of on-demand alcohol delivery is uh, kind of picking up now in the other geographies as well, like um, at least in India, where um, it, it, it was not something that we had previously or users or consumers could avail. But due to the crisis, due to the COVID-19 crisis, people really couldn't step out much. And, uh, you, you know, there has been uh, different companies who are trying to build that infrastructure where wherein people can you know order uh, alcohol online and get it delivered to their doorsteps so like you mentioned i think it's 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 very very important yeah it's yeah it's it's been interesting i think obviously now that uh, covid has happened it's just been a big kind of focus of online in general not just on demand but in um, in i guess the shift from traditional uh, bricks and mortar to online so it's great to see that on demand is a part of that as well and obviously categories like food and bev um more so alcohol have really risen up to the occasion and businesses have adapted or either grown if they had the the right sets in place to to grow absolutely absolutely so um yeah i, I think jimmy that uh, uh that 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 perfectly encapsulate what we have been discussing so far, um, you know, in terms of building the business and we'll talk about it later. Uh, but um, you really have a very interesting insight uh, or, a, or rather a use case to, you know, talk about uh, how Jimmy, bring, uh, Jimmy brings kind of, you know, um, 
went into a different vertical altogether. Not not really vertical. I won't say it uh, at a different vertical, but how you guys were, you know, effectively solving the the crisis that people were having with toilet papers. But we can discuss about that at a later point during the session. Uh, but but previous uh, before we before we move on to that, I think. Uh, it's time to jump into the topic which uh, we have today, holiday marketing, the best practices, common pitfalls, proven channels and strategies, and what it all means in the context of this very, very unusual holiday season. So um, Jamie, holidays are usually a time for families and friends to get together, back-to-back -to -back dinner parties, you know, continuous celebrations. Uh, so how does it affect your industry, especially your brand's promises and on-demand alcohol delivery? Do you notice something different during the holiday season? Um, is there any go-to evergreen strategy that can be utilized uh, or you guys do utilize during that, uh, during that holiday season, maybe starting from Thanksgiving to Christmas and the new year? Yeah, sure. I guess I'll start with a bit of context. So I, I mentioned um, I've been uh, working at Toys R Us in my previous years. I think that's that's kind of the, the forefront of what you'd expect in terms of a holiday marketing strategy, Christmas being the main focus for toys um, around the world. So I'm very accustomed to having a really high peak throughout this period and then a lull throughout the rest of the year. So Toys R Us kind of was the perfect, um, I guess, exposure to holiday marketing in its, in its core. Um, but I, I guess coming from that and being relative to this world, it, 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 food and beverage is obviously a hyper seasonal category as well. And we do see a peak throughout uh, the holiday season. Um, but again, relative to toys and other categories that I've uh, been exposed to, it's actually not too, um, it's not too uh, crazy. It's, it's actually quite um, smooth in its kind of peak. It's not, it's not an insane rush to the Christmas stores or the Christmas um, holidays. It's more, um, it's more the summer drinking occasion is what um, kind of brings, especially in Australia, um, these few months uh, to the table. So um, I guess, yeah, as I mentioned, there are key moments for food and bev category in Australia specifically. We do have a few elements that kind of all sync up being our summer period. Um, we have a few key occasions like Australia in January and uh, there's New Year's Eve, obviously, drinking occasion across the world, of course. Um, but yeah, in terms of a, an evergreen strategy or a, a hyper-seasonal strategy, I actually don't, um, I, I, I don't have one in place for this company. And the reason is um, because we want to build upon our brand. We don't want to focus on one specific moment. We do tailor our content. We do have a shift of focus and we do increase slightly in terms of our waiting on budgets. Uh, but but that, that's not really actually different to what we do for the rest of the year. So what we actually do though in saying that is obviously we have a the, the moments there. So we kind of leverage that. So we talk about these key drinking moments around summer. Um, so we do have an increase in new customer acquisition and trial. So what we try to do instead is we try to acquire as many customers throughout this period. Um, it, it's, it's just a natural, I guess, uh, way of yeah, increasing trial across our entire business at this period. So, um, yeah, I, what, we, what we try to do is we, we try to do that by increasing some deep discounts throughout the period. So we have the Cyber Mondays, the Black Fridays, um, those key trading moments for the business um, we, we try, really try to play on. Um, so we, truly, we, we, we leverage these kind of uh, key moments across this period as well. Um, 
but yeah, we also actually then apply all our tests and learnings from the key period previously. So um, because we've had a, obviously a full year of uh, testing new channels, we we are very uh, we experiment quite a lot with ways in which we can actually uh, get in front of customers. So we do trial uh, various channels throughout um, the year. Um, where where I see uh, this key season playing is now that we've trialed and we kind of know what channels work for us, let's let's double down and go hard throughout this period and acquire as many customers as possible. So there's not really an evergreen, evergreen strategy. It's always adapting for us. Um, and that, that that is also because we are a, um, a growing brand. So there might be a time when we mature. There might be a way to um, create an evergreen strategy, but um, not at this stage. Right. Uh, so, Jamie, as a follow-up question to this, um, like you mentioned, maybe during the holiday, um, um, not so much during the holiday season, but during the summer drinking occasions, uh, you guys notice a peak in your, you know, um, um, sessions or usage. So, um, can you elaborate on that uh, peak that you mentioned in terms of the usage and adoption? Um, and and uh, if not, if not during the holiday season, if uh, if at all during the uh, during the summer drinking uh, occasion, because I guess in Australia, Christmas looks a little different, right? Compared to the rest of the world, um, um, especially during the seasonality and, uh, and, and, and the weather conditions as there during the, during Christmas. So uh, it would be great if you could share some of uh, a few data insights in terms of how the usage and adoption and the conversion trends vary during this period. Yeah, so our, our customer behavior does change. Um, we generally see a 20% increase in retention rates across this period, not just through during Christmas and the holidays, but summer in general. Um, as I mentioned before, this is probably the, the biggest factor of a seasonal trend for food and bev is, is weather and uh, the seasons in which they play in. So summer naturally is a, is a socialized kind of occasion, um, people getting together and having drinks with friends. So um, the use case is a lot, uh, more present throughout this time, which is probably why we see a 20% increase in retention rates. But not only that, um, I guess looking at last year's data, we did increase in our average order value, uh, and that was by 15% uh, across this, uh, this period as well. So it just shows that people were getting together, having a few drinks, socializing. It wasn't just this one-off um, bottle of uh, wine after a long day of work. It was more of a, a planned occasion um, that had more people involved, um, which is yeah one call out for our customer behavior changing throughout this time. Um, I, I guess for us, like I mentioned earlier, um, we do see an increase in new customer trials as well throughout this period because the use case is obviously more present. Um, but I, I really feel that the real work um, that we need to do is a plan to keep these new customers after this occasion. So. The, the use case and the occasions really cut out for us throughout the summer period. But as we move into autumn and then winter, what happens next? We, we need to really focus on those key moments to continue this retention rate, to make sure these new customers that have come into this period follow on and actually have a good lifetime journey throughout this, um, throughout Jimmy Brings as a brand, really. Right, absolutely. As a customer engagement, uh, you know, platform provider ourselves, it's 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 actually very important to retain the people that you gain during these peaks uh, of, of of your business growth. Um, so moving on, uh, Jamie, um, when it comes to framing holiday marketing strategies that are mainly aimed to drive more conversions or you know retarget old customers or boost repeat purchases 
or engage more users. Uh, what, according to you, are the three most important factors that uh, a marketer should consider? Yeah, sure. So I think the first one for me is we all are aware that creative fatigue is a thing. I think fresh content throughout key moments is a way to keep customers engaged. Um, but not only that, keeping your brand consistent across these key messages is really important. So um, having yeah, fresh new content to be relevant throughout this uh, key moment, um, but not only that, making sure your brand is upfront and present. You don't want it to um, slip through the cracks and um, be a part of the noise that is holiday marketing for, I guess, any retailer really. Um, the second factor I'd say was is to adapt your CRM strategy and optimize during this time. Um, as I mentioned, there's, there's going to be a lot more leads that turn into new customers throughout this time. Um, how are we adapting this CRM, our, our CRM strategy and optimizing to make sure we get the most out of these customers uh, throughout this period and then moving forward into the future as well. Um, and yeah, as I mentioned before, I think the third factor would be cut through the noise. Uh, your competitors are going to be focusing on the usual suspects and the usual occasions, but what, what can your brand do differently to connect to these customers and stand out from the crowd? Um, we always look for ways to um, cut through this, whether it be the placements in which you're using in terms of media, it could be the, the, the content itself, um, or it just could be your general brand uh, positioning. Are you, are you a, uh, are you innovative? Are you are you thinking of new ways and new platforms in order to reach your customers? Um, and yeah, I, I think those three factors um, can get you through um, in a in a better state than where you were for holiday marketers. Uh, so you know, as a follow up to this question, what are the priorities that you guys consider? You know, or you consider personally as a marketer in terms of having a marketing plan in place uh, on on ad spends on channel focus. Um, do you guys uh, have any any top uh, priorities or any top three things or four things uh, that you guys consider while uh, while focusing on any of these aspects? Yeah, um, I do. Yeah, so um, obviously every business is different, and these are my uh, the, the the business's priorities in terms of what we focus on. Um, I, I guess I'll start with what. Um, your your objectives and that differs between each brand as I mentioned but for us at the moment at Jimmy Brings I, I guess we have a, a, a mission that we share with each and every stakeholder which is we want to transform the way people entertain socialize and unwind and that is the, the core mission of the business we want to by doing so we want to increase brand awareness we want to drive purchase intent as well as app downloads we want new customers to use our service and we want to retain our existing customers um, so it, it's, it can be a bit challenging because there are obviously a few competing objectives uh, within that. But I, I guess looking at the marketing funnel, you'd expect to touch each of these elements um, throughout your marketing plan. So I guess starting at that level, uh, what, we, what we want to achieve is obviously the strategy being that we are the largest and the fastest on-demand drinks retailer in Australia. And that's the main insight we provide to each stakeholder as well. So I think first and foremost, your creative or your concept needs to be very closely aligned with your strategy. So if your creative doesn't tell the same message as what your strategy and insight does, um, it, 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 there's obviously already a misalignment. So you have to make sure your key message is obviously shown throughout your creative 
um, and that aligns with your strategy and your ongoing mission, um, which is my first and foremost priority. Uh, second to that, obviously, reach and frequency in a media plan is really important. Um, but I think there's a blend between having conversion-based campaigns, such as your performance marketing outputs, having your direct communications as well, um, being for us, push notifications and emails, and then above the line media that includes more offline focus, such as out of home um, and potentially TV and broadcast um, media. Uh, so I, th I think looking at your media mix is probably your second priority and figuring out how your customers communicate with you. So if you identify your target audience for your campaign, you would easily be able to eliminate channels that don't work for them. So for example, um, our target audience um, doesn't read newspapers. So we're not gonna uh, invest in newspaper advertising uh, versus digital platforms that are obviously more of a younger focus. So understanding your, your demographic or your target audience and then working your way out through immediate mix is uh, my second priority. And I touched on this before, reach and frequency as well. So um, reach and frequency is yeah, your third priority. You want to get as much reach out there as possible, but you want to make sure it's frequent enough that they um, th that it's memorable. So um, I think going back to the creative and the aligning on strategy, you obviously your your channel mix or your, your channel focus needs to align as well. So the creative that you see on Facebook is the same message that you might see on an email versus on a billboard on the street. So um, I think really owning a space and owning a period in time where customers feel like they're seeing a certain brand everywhere is where you drive the highest impact and have the most memorability. Um, so in my marketing plans, I make sure that that's the case um, when we have these um, really strong goals of growing this business in mind. I think all very valid points and very insightful points, you know, especially in terms of maintaining consistency across all the different channels, be it print, digital media, or online spaces, wherever it is, and, and the different channels, uh, you know, the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Twitters, etc. Cool. Um, I think, yeah, Jamie, that makes perfect sense, uh, which I just wanted to discuss one thing really quick, which I have been asking a few of our guests as well, and uh, which is very fascinating. So uh, a lot of these offline retailers um, are planning to go online during this holiday season, especially because a lot of these users or a lot of their customer base, which previously comprised of people visiting their in-store locations are not doing it anymore because of either very strict social distancing norms or because they're hesitant to step up. Um, so as, as a result, you know, they'll run more digital promotions uh, now than they have done ever before. Um, and given the size and the sheer amount of revenue or the capital that they can put into the thing, uh, how do you think that will affect the ad costs and what can others do to stay relevant? Yeah, I, I think there's a few obviously pros and cons uh, to that that point. And um, I, I guess I can start with the, the pro. Um, by other retailers within your same category, um, moving into a space where you're currently present, um, especially if it's a new category and a new focus, such as on-demand delivery, that's only going to raise awareness for your category. So they're doing you justice by uh, by creating awareness of your category being um, online. So there's going to be more of a transition, not only from in-store to online, but hopefully there's uh, a bit of drop-off of their customers moving into someone that may have a better service or may have a better proposition, uh, such as, such as yeah, Jimmy Brinks, for example. 
um, if our offline bricks and mortar retailers are now talking that delivery, that's fine. And I think customers are in that mindset and moving towards that, but they're going to be able to do their own research. They're going to be able to say, okay, look, um, if I'm doing delivery, I want to do it with the fastest server. So I want to have the, the most value in terms of my pricing. They're, they're going to start understanding that there's more than just their traditional offline retailers out there. And hopefully that will mean that customers that were um, offline traditional retailers of theirs, they may not become online. Um, they might not become, become online users. They might offer the, that retailer. They might become Jimmy Brings users, for example. So I think it's a, it's just an education piece really of transitioning people to a different category or a different mindset, um, which does you justice. Um, saying that there's obviously the con um, and the other kind of point of the debate is there is going to be a lot of clutter and a lot of noise. So um, again, to my point what, earlier, what, what are you doing differently? Uh, what are you going to, how are you going to stand out? How are you cutting through the noise? And I think that's why that point is so important because these, offline retailers probably have next to no experience uh, dealing with these online channels or uh, pushing people to these online categories. So they might have all the resources in the world and all these um, additional ad spends, but if they're not executing correctly, um, that's going to be easily seen by customers. So yes, you are the experts in this and how a customer is going to see you as that expert. Um, so yeah, I think even though that's a con, I think you can spin that to say, yes, there is an opportunity to actually cut through the noise and actually start competing with big, big retailers in your own space now. It's kind of like you're, it's on your own court, right? Um, but yeah. Very insightful answers there, Jamie. I, I think uh, the, the point that you mentioned about brands not having enough experience and, and, and you as a brand having more experience, you know, serving as the main differentiating factor uh, is, is, a, is a very interesting one. Uh, so that kind of brings us to the next question, which, uh, which is kind of what you have been mentioning all along, you know, having the same uh, creative consistency across the different channels. So, um, which, I require, which I think requires quite a lot of uh, extensive trial and testing period. So how important do you think this entire testing routine is to, you know, churning out creatives or ad copies, which actually make a difference? And in case of brands who, who have started late, um, how do you think they can adapt and deal with the lack of time and catch up with the you know, pending timelines or running against time, so to speak? Yeah, it's a really good point. And I think to be frank on my end, I, I'm one of those ones that always lights the party. So um, we actually never um, test um, our, our creative um, that we're working on. And the reason is uh, mainly because we are always testing, right? When we release a new creative out to the market, um, we always are finding learnings or creative insights um, based on past learnings to then move forward with and then make sure that we apply those learnings for our next campaign. So although we don't test once we create an asset, um, we are obviously testing throughout the channels as well. And I think that's the best way, right? Because you get obviously your, um, your engagement rates and all the rest that um, you see through these platforms because they're digitally led. Um, so you, you get to understand what works and what doesn't and um, apply these over time. So I guess that comes back to the experience of having um, more, I guess, focus on digital assets uh, versus your other offline retailers is 
you've, you've had time to test and iterate, right? You're always constantly optimizing, not only your ad sets and your, your targeting and your, your budgets, but your creative as well. So in a way you are already testing. You just haven't, you just don't know it yet. Um, in saying that though, uh, because we don't have time, because we're always, um, we always like to be on the forefront of decisions and make, making sure we're adaptive and agile, which means that we don't have a lot of planning space um, and execution space for some of our campaigns because we always like to be relevant. Um, even though we're not formally testing in terms of a research group or focus group, I should say, ask your team, ask your friends, ask the, the social people around you um, if you can, um, because people like to give their opinion, right? Um, if you're getting a large breadth of people within your own networks, that's, that's testing as well. It doesn't need to be in a formal setting as long as you're getting a nice cross section of uh, who your audience is, plus others in there as well if you want to start testing other audiences. But um, that, that's what we've done in the past. We, we, I asked my family, I asked my friends, all our team asked their family and friends. We kind of get a general feel of if this creative is going to work, um, obviously based on the learnings that we've seen in our past campaigns as well via the, the digital platforms. Very interesting insight there, Jamie, because most of the people that I have talked to uh, generally mention, you know, testing and trial period as a very important uh, part, but this is also very interesting insight, you know, in terms of you have been trying and testing out these creatives all along and, you know, having a close knit focus group where you can test out these assets before releasing them. Um, so very, very, very valuable points there, uh, Jamie. So, you know, that kind of brings me to the next question, which is what are the most common mistakes you have seen marketers or, you know, marketing teams commit during the holiday season, which, uh, in a, which they think would actually help them grow their business, but has an adverse impact or has a negative impact on the user engagement and conversion. Yeah, I think there's, there's other there's teams out there that, sometimes assume that people know what you're talking about. They don't, they don't tell the story. They don't, they don't tell what your message is based on um, the creative that you put out there. It, it may also feel disjointed. And I, I've kind of mentioned earlier, I, I really am a big believer of having a consistent message with a consistent creative across all your channels that um, some brands still don't do that. They feel like each brand, each channel serves their own purpose, which is true, but um, obviously consistent messaging is um, a way of making sure it's memorable across all these placements as well, because at the end of the day, it's going to be that same customer that sees it on Facebook and also on the, on the bus stop. So um, I think, yeah, because yeah, brands are still uh, thinking that they all play a different role versus being a part of a, a suite of a marketing plan, which is obviously a big no, no. Um, but one of the ones I actually saw the other day, which really piqued my attention because I, I really uh, disagreed with this approach is um, I was on a site another uh, last week um, on a website that I usually shop on. Um, and it was, they had a countdown towards an upcoming sale. Um, and I, I noticed that and I was actually intending to buy something um, that same day. But as I saw that, that they had 20% off in uh, starting the next week. I was like, okay, great. I'll wait. I, I, I don't understand why brand, a brand would do that and let customers know there's a sale coming um, in terms of a drop. You, obviously you'll drop your conversion rates because you're letting them know to wait for a sale. 
Uh, and most of the time, someone's not going to come back um, and remember that there's a sale on. You kind of have that one chance. And if they're on their site, if they're on your site, um, why, why would you want them to leave and come back? That doesn't make sense to me. Um, so I found that quite interesting, letting someone know upfront about a sale. Um, but yeah, I, I just, yeah, I would strongly advise against that because look, if it wasn't for this specific podcast and me looking out for things to uh, talk about today, I would have definitely not gone back to that site and I would have forgotten because there's so many brands out there trying to compete for your attention. Um, someone might go and do it um, earlier or, or not make you wait. So yeah, I, I found that a really, um, really bad customer experience to be frank. Very interesting use case there, Jamie. I think uh, a lot of brands do that actually, right? And especially in retail and e-commerce that we have a big holiday sale coming up, stay tuned, uh, or we are starting from say so-and-so date and, uh, you know, come back and check out, check our collection offers. Uh, what do you suggest for, uh, for you know, you know how, how, do, how do they solve this problem? You know, basically from what I understand, they just try to, you know, um, get people hyped, right? For the next big event. So what do you suggest, uh, what, do you, what do you mentioned, it makes perfect sense, right? Why would anyone come back and check it out unless they are like very interested in the brand? So one would be to create a brand loyalist who will come back and check out your website no matter what, right? Uh, but but what, what else do you suggest, uh, which would be a better approach of, you know, um, um, informing users or letting them know that there's a big sale coming up? Yeah, of course, I, I think, uh, first and foremost, segment your audience. Like if I'm a repeat customer and I, um, most of the time when I come to your site and I, I check out, don't tell me there's a sale coming up because I'll, I'll wait. Um, if, if, if I'm a new user to the site and I have an offer there and then I'm going to use it. If I'm a new customer and I saw this message saying next week I have a sale, I'm, I'm going to forget because I'm not too interested in your brand just yet. So being, being smart with who you talk to and how you talk to them, um, I think is one way of doing it. Um, and this is probably where channels can play a role into that, right? If you have, excuse me, if you have certain channels playing a part of telling that story um, and creating hype, that's fine, but not if I'm on your site, because that's kind of too past the journey of I'm, I'm interested to, I'm going to check out. If I, if I had an email from you saying a, a, a sale is coming up, understandable. But if I'm already at the stage of um, getting past that piece of communications and already on your site, I, I definitely don't want to know that <laughs> there's, a, there's a sale happening soon if I'm already at that stage of intent to purchase. So I think using your channels wisely, and I, I know I said consistent messaging earlier, and I still believe in that, but um, I think consistent messaging with its purpose is still important as well. Um, so yeah, I think segmentation of your audience and making sure you understand who your customer is and how they, how they behave with your, um, with your site is yeah, a valid way to then iterate your creative messages. Interesting that you bring in segmentation, you know, um, as one of the key points that people should consider because, you know, uh, a lot of retail brands are now into this entire recency frequency and monetary value of interactions that uh, uh, they term it as RFM, right? Um, which also is known as predictive segmentation, which a lot of these retail brands are doing. 
and uh, yeah that, that makes perfect sense you know in terms of how you can use different channels uh, which kind of is a lean on into the next question that i had for you uh, in your experience you know have you noticed one or more communication channels that have actually proven better than the others uh, for running engagement and conversion campaigns um, during the holiday season especially um, if so do you have one preferred channel and uh, what would be the reason for you picking that yeah, sure. I think um, looking at our media mix, the, our biggest spend right now is on Google. It's probably the same for majority of marketing uh, teams out there that Google and search engine marketing is probably where, why I think majority of where your marketing should be sitting um, in this day and age. But um, yeah, Google and Facebook, obviously um, as well, Facebook's a big one. Um, but with, with, with holiday seasons, I think what you see, especially is your, your storage volumes increase, there's going to be more interest in general around your category. So not having a presence on Google or any other search engine um, means that another competitor is either going to take that customer that's interested in this category, such as our core delivery, um, and take away that, um, that customer from you. So not being a part of that specific piece of um, someone's behavior of searching for a specific um, reason to shop for alcohol delivery is probably uh, the biggest risk for someone that's new to the market or someone that isn't uh, at that stage of maturity yet, such as Jimmy brings. So I, I always yeah, make sure we're continuing to invest in search engine marketing throughout this time where there's high volumes of search. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Facebook is a big one as well. Facebook, um, there's a lot of um, social interaction happening throughout this time, not just in person, but virtually as well. So Facebook usage obviously grows throughout the summer period, um, which means that that's where your customers are looking and uh, not being there as well is a, is a missed opportunity. Um, last year we did trial um, YouTube as well um, as a main driver of awareness and that seemed to work well in, even in terms of engagement and click-through rates. Generally YouTube is in the place where people um, interact with ads, but um, it depends again on your creative, but um, it seemed to do quite well for us. So that's another focus of mine this time around. Um, but of course as well, you, you, you have your own set of database, you have your own um, tools that you can actually utilize such as your own email communication, such as your own push notification. So um, I think this year, knowing that we've built up a decent sized database, we're going to definitely put that to work and actually uh, make sure customers are continually hearing about us through our own channels as well. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, like you mentioned, you know, in terms of email or push notifications as well as apart from your YouTubes and Googles and Facebook, other things that you need to consider and uh, see where, where, where it go, all goes right for you. Um, so um, let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is uh, the obvious entire pandemic scenario and how it fits into the narrative of the holiday marketing. So have you noticed any emerging trends from the customer behavior or e-commerce or, you know, loyalty standpoint in 2020? And did the change in user behavior affect any of your marketing strategies? And uh, yeah, did, did it continue or are you going to continue the same strategy for the holiday season as well? Yeah, I think as we spoke before, on-demand alcohol delivery is a booming category, not just for Australia, but in India as well. You mentioned that there's emerging brands happening throughout COVID. And we're, we're seeing that as well, obviously, um, across not just uh, alcohol delivery, but 
any on-demand service really, um, whether it be food and beverage or retail in general. Um, so that transition is happening and we always expected this to happen. It's just been expedited throughout this pandemic. Um, based on that, our retention rates have grown quite significantly throughout this time and the interest in our brand has remained. Um, even with lockdowns now over in majority of Australia, uh, customers are still continuing to use our service, uh, even as offline and bricks and mortar are opened up again. So I think as you understand the value of the service like on-demand alcohol delivery, um, going to the shop to buy your, your bottle of spirits or your wine no longer becomes a, a chore. It's as easy as getting something delivered to you in 30 minutes. So I think throughout this time, people kind of had no choice but to trial our service or other alcohol delivery services. And they've realized how easy and simple it is to get things delivered on demand. And um, yeah, I, I think that's why retention rates have continued to be so strong and interest in our brand has continued to be so strong. Um, but not only that, people are still concerned. People still don't understand what's going on completely. I think customers are still looking for guidance during these times. And I think your, or each brand can play a part in everyone's life. So making sure that um, people don't feel like there's panic and making sure people, that, uh, making sure people um, have optimism throughout this time um, is probably one of the key uh, roles your brand can play. Um, Making sure there's confidence as well um, is one way of uh, talking to customers, making sure people understand that this is um, not something that's going to be forever. It's only, only going to be for a temporary amount of time and making sure people can connect with your brand as well um, is quite important. Um, I, I think retaining that, that message of confidence and making sure people understand your service is useful in their lives um, Will, will, will mean that yeah people don't go back to the bottle shops and people don't go back to bricks and mortar um, and, and I think yeah what we're doing for summer is we're actually spending quite a bit in terms of our marketing campaign this year um, it, we're, we're having we're, we're planning our biggest campaign ever to be honest and that's a mix of offline online um, and really a broadcast as well. There's a few different things that we're going live with. And I think just because the interest is there now means that now is the opportunity to, to take that uh, moment and actually say that, yes, this is the new way of shopping in general. So um, yeah, we are going to retain our same strategy for the holiday season, but just also increase the, the level of sophistication that we're putting in our campaigns. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, so empathetic uh, messaging is one of the takeaways that I could, uh, you know, I could understand from your entire, uh, from your, from the entire discussion that we have had on the, at this point. Uh, sorry, my bad. My just alarm just went. Okay. I'll just begin again. Uh, <clears throat> so empathetic uh, tone of messaging is what I could take away from um, the discussion that we have had so far. Uh, right, Jamie. So. Um, you know, that kind of brings me to the next part, which is about the sensibilities and sensitivities, uh, which will shop, you know, which will shape the holiday marketing campaigns and activities in the post-crisis world. Uh, right. I remember, and I guess most of our listeners are aware as well, that you guys at Jimmy Brinks were delivering toilet paper during the peak of the pandemic as overstocking created artificial shortages, right? And because of the lockdown restrictions as well, people couldn't really step out and buy it in store. 
So that was a brilliant example of understanding change in user demands and quickly adapting to the new needs. Uh, so what are your suggestions to marketers on better equipping themselves for the holiday season in this new normal, given that you guys have already kind of pivoted into different services, uh, like you mentioned, not just on-demand alcohol delivery, but food and beverage and other aspects as well? Yeah, I, I think there's, there's one line that I kind of leave everyone with, which is um, something that I've been trying to... Um, use for my own everyday life as well as um yeah work is plan ahead yet prepare for the worst so i know we all spoke about optimism and of course uh communicating to your customers should mean being optimistic um but i, I think there's really something there where you should continue to plan ahead you should continue to plan as you you intend and you want to meet your objectives and your goals and your kpis so please continue to plan ahead um, but still have have a scenario in your your mind what 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 the worst looks like make sure that you're not sidetracked or make sure that you're not um, completely gone off the rails if something were to happen like this again because um, those that adapted quickly and swiftly are the ones that are leading uh, I guess the the outcomes of uh, the COVID pandemic those that um, were quickly able to make decisions and change and pivot their marketing plans have obviously remained top of mind throughout this time. So, um, yes, I, I think planning ahead is still something that we should all be working towards. But of course, knowing that there is uh, potentially something that we don't know that's out there that could change this all again um, means that you're always going to be in the back of your mind thinking about ways in which you can adapt and swiftly move forward. So be agile as much as possible. Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, be agile is the keyword here. Um, so for all of our listeners who are listening and, um, okay, Jamie, so we, we usually like to wrap up our session with a little rapid fire question set. So, uh, you can go ahead and shoot the first thing that is, that comes to your mind. Right. Um, so this will mostly be about marketing and a couple of questions about, uh, um, uh, about what is generally going on with you, um, at this point of time. So ready if you are, Jamie. Let's do it. Cool, cool, cool. So the first question is, do you have a favorite holiday marketing campaign of all time? Uh, if yes, what is the reason that kind of made it your favorite holiday marketing campaign? Oh, um, I don't have one of all time, but there's one that's actually causing a bit of controversy right now in Australia that's just recently launched, which I actually personally um, love. Um, which is, uh, it's a department store in Australia called Maya. Um, Maya has just released a campaign that is, let's make this bigger than Christmas. Um, being that there is so many different memories and different um, key moments that we've missed throughout this year, such as Father's Day, Mother's Day, um, all, all, the, all the moments that we've kind of not been able to celebrate together because of this pandemic. Um, and the, the key message is, this Christmas is not just about Christmas. This Christmas is making sure we're coming together, celebrating all these moments that we've missed. And I, I really like that kind of idea of making it not about Christmas this year, but making it about, yes, we've made it to the, to the, the final end. We actually are out of this and we actually are continuing to improve um, when Australia, at least I know other countries are still suffering, which is obviously sad, but, um, for the localized approach to this marketing campaign, it actually ticks all the boxes in my eyes. Um, the reason why it's causing controversy is because 
Um, there are some elements that have executed that don't show this message. And this is why it's so important to make sure your message is consistent and makes sense for everyone. Um, without, without that context, which was uh, generally a, a, a television commercial, which explained this, um, this, this, this campaign, um, if you see a billboard, it doesn't really explain what this message is. And people are unsure why their slogan or their sub-slogan is happy congratulations and Merry Christmas, which obviously doesn't make sense in a normal sentence. But um, as you kind of layer in the, the, the creative of um, the video and the rest, you kind of, ex you kind of understand um, what it's about. But yeah, I, I think once you do understand that context and you understand what they're trying to do, I think it's a really, really nice message. And it kind of ticks all the boxes for me about having confidence. Yes, we are out of this. As I mentioned earlier, we want to be optimistic to our customers. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, certainly unusual. And I think that it, it, it will catch on with a lot of people like you mentioned. Um, so if there's one product or service that you as a marketer would like to promote, uh, especially for the holiday season, what would that be and why? Oh, I've always, I, <laughs> this, this is obviously not uh, what I want to do right now, but I've always wanted to, um, work in the travel industry of marketing. I think that'll be quite fun and interesting and um, definitely for holiday focus, usually um, the, this industry is yeah, relying on tourism throughout key seasonal periods. Uh, so um, yeah, I, I love to eventually have the opportunity to work in travel. Um, I think, yeah, obviously now is not the time and it, my heart goes out to everyone that's lost their roles in the tourism industry, but um, that's always been of interest. Right. I, I think uh, travel and hospitality is slowly but steadily picking up. And uh, of course, we wish all, of, all the best for the vertical and hopefully things will go back to normal pretty soon um, rather than later. Right. Um, so um, this, this is one of my favorite questions, actually, Jamie. Uh, if, if you were to imagine marketing as a superhero, who would that be? And uh, what is your reasoning? <laughs> okay. Um, I think... It's an interesting question. Um, I think it's a it's a it's an interesting one. I, I really can't give a answer for one, but what what comes to my mind is um, for some reason the Fantastic Four um, as a group, and the reason being is because marketing plays so many roles um, that there's not just one power that marketing has. Uh, when I, when I think of Fantastic Four, I instantly think of um, the invisible girl who kind of knows what's going on and can remain remain invisible and understand what's happening. You've also got the strong suit who actually can make some noise and um, punch through walls and actually make stuff happen. Um, so th 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 there's obviously so many roles within the Fantastic Four that they all kind of work and complement each other. And I think that's what I think of um, when I think of a marketing team. They everyone should play to their strengths and everyone should complement each other and um, have a, an ongoing role for a business. Right, very interesting, right? Like you mentioned, there's a strategist in Mr. Fantastic and then you've got a powerhouse, right? Uh, um, in, in the thing and obviously uh, Invisible Girl and then Human Torch. Makes perfect sense, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I can see that you're a comic book guy by the way you've gone about answering that question. So kudos to that, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> Do you, do you have a favorite go-to content consumption portal? Uh, in your, it can be any podcast or blogs or newsletters that you kind of religiously follow. 
Um, not really, actually. I, I kind of dabble into various things. I've uh, started reading um, uh, News Plus on Apple. Uh, they have pretty much a subscription to not only just one publisher, but various different publishers. Um, so I, 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 I subscribe to that and I, I read through different publishers. And I think that's quite important because when you, when, you, when you do subscribe to one certain publisher, you kind of get their opinions and you obviously unknowingly to them, you, you can see that there is some sort of bias and I'd like to spread that out to various publishers. Um, the other one that I, I, I subscribe to as a whole is uh, the, the Harvard Business Journal um, or the Harvard, Harvard Business Review which is quite in, insightful in terms of just general business pack practices and um, ways in which you can improve your business. Absolutely. I think HBR adds a lot of value to, uh, to, to all marketers around the world and, you know, anyone really who is interested in the world of business. Uh, so last question here, Jamie, once things go back to normal, what is the one destination you would like to get off your bucket list? I actually had um, a planned trip to Japan just before COVID started, um, which obviously was cancelled, sadly. Uh, so once once we open up our, our borders to Japan, I, I think that's my first stop. Um, yeah, because I'm, I'm still sad that I missed out. Um, I was planning to go for around two weeks and I was going to travel around different cities. Um, it's going to be a long trip. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of still sad that that didn't happen. Uh, we, we, we hope things go back to normal soon and you can go to your trip to Japan. Uh, bon voyage for that. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful and valuable insights with us, Jamie. Thank you for taking your time and speaking to us. I'm sure our listeners will benefit immensely from the key takeaways and will be able to emulate some of the use cases and examples that you have mentioned. Um, I, I hope it was as interesting for you as it was for me. Definitely. Thanks so much for your time, Raj. That was really fun. Awesome, awesome. So before we call it today, a quick announcement. We have recently launched a comprehensive holiday marketing guide uh, for you guys with 20 ready to implement strategies along with trends from um, the unusual holiday season 2020 and expert insights from over 10 global brands. Uh, so stay tuned and till next time, it's goodbye from me and Jamie. Happy holidays and stay safe.